It's the e-commerce master plan podcast here to help you grow your e-commerce business faster and more efficiently by cutting through the hype to bring you inspiration and guidance from the e-commerce sector and beyond. Here's your host, Chloe Thomas. Hello, Master Plan World. Welcome to our latest podcast. It's great to have you all out there listening. So thank you for tuning in so consistently. It's great and I really do appreciate it. I'm Chloe Thomas, creator of the e-commerce Master Plan. I'm an author, speaker, consultant, uh, all kinds of other things in the world of e-commerce as well, basically here to help you solve your problems in the fields of e-commerce business strategy and marketing. Now, last time we heard all about Connor Gillivan's new book, Free Up Your Business, 50 Secrets to Bootstrap Million Dollar Companies, which is all based on his experience of running multiple dropship operations on Amazon.com. You can join in the chat about that episode and many more on our Facebook group at ecommercemasterplan.com forward slash Facebook. Let me introduce you to today's special guest. Christine Nicholson is the founder of Divine Legs. It's an online-only business selling tights. For our American listeners, that's pantyhose. Uh, And they're they're sold both individually and as subscriptions. Now, Christine started Divine Legs um, only last year, so 5th of August 2016. And she had a big target of 100 orders in the first 100 days. And I promise we're going to speak a lot more about that later. Uh, Things continue to grow now. And interestingly, for those of you who also run subscription businesses, 25% of those customers are subscribers. Hello, Christine. Hi, Chloe. It's, uh, It's great to have you on the show. And I've just given our listeners an incredibly quick overview of you, your business and where you're at right now. But how did you get started off in e commerce, which wasn't all that long ago? Yeah, um, it was a little over a year ago. Um, I was actually at an entrepreneurs event um, with a a looking to scale my existing consulting business. And Michael Gerber was actually a speaker. Oh, wow. And he bounced on the stage and he spent about an hour talking about learning to play the saxophone. And everybody's looking at each other wondering, you know, where's this going? And uh, and then he just came out with this profound statement that um, if you look at where your life is going and you look at the business that you've got and you haven't got a business that's going to help you get to where you want your life to be, then basically your business is broken and you can't fix it. So you need to change the business you're in. And um, and I, I took a long, hard look at myself and realized that the way I was working from a consulting perspective was never going to get me to where I wanted to be. And perhaps I needed to go and try something else. And and on the day, I was actually wearing a really bad pair of tights. They were really uncomfortable. They were in little wrinkles around my ankles. We've all been um, there. <laughs> <laughs> I'd, I'd, um, I already had a ladder in them. And, um, and I got to thinking about uh, e-commerce. I had been dabbling with other kind of business ideas. And, and it just struck me that it, after 30 years of hosiery hell, Um, and suddenly discovering a lot more about e-commerce business, maybe I could put the two together. If I found a really decent hosiery product, I could actually sell it online and still maintain my consultancy business and then see where where the cards fell. Um, So immediately then, I mean, that afternoon, I I was planning it out. And I thought, well, if this is a goer, I've just got to give myself a deadline. And I gave myself a deadline of the 29th of 
July. Wow. Um, a few technical hitches, and um, but I, I but I was actually pushing the publish button on my Shopify site on the fifth of August. Gosh, so how long did it? So so actually, first off, had you done any e-commerce beforehand? Oh yeah, uh, no. Actually, <laughs> she says yeah. I mean, what I mean was when I said yes, I meant wow. That's a really good question because. <laughs> Most people don't realize that I had no background at all in retail, e-commerce or marketing. I'm an accountant with a law degree and I've spent the last 25 years um, working as a, as a kind of troubleshooter. So I've never worked as a pure accountant. Um, I, I know I've usually gone to work in businesses that are in some kind of crisis and I've helped them either a startup crisis, a growth or acquisition crisis, but but predominantly um, managing businesses out of, uh, managing business owners, sorry, through exit. So helping them get the best value for their, wow. for their businesses. So I know how the engine room of a business works, but marketing was a kind of pink and fluffy thing that used to sit in the corner. <laughs> and in, in most accountants' eyes, it always seems to get squeezed as well. Um, <laughs> but yes. not, I might be being overly flippant there. No, okay. no, 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 you're not. And, and, and I've been, I've been a squeezer and now I realise the error of my ways. <laughs> <laughs> Yay. We converted one people. We converted one. <laughs> oh, well, carry on the revolution. Uh, so, um, so Christine, the, you, you hadn't had any e-commerce experience before. So how long was it between that first conference the, the Michael Gerber inspiration moment and the 5th of August when you pushed the, put the shop live? It was six months. Wow, that's quite impressive. Mm. Well, if the, the day I got home from the conference, I did what any self-respecting person thinking about a major life change would do. I googled, <laughs> who's the expert in e-commerce? <laughs> And or something similar, mm. and um, that's how I discovered your podcast. Podcast. Oh wow! And pretty much, I, I saw the books on Amazon, which I immediately bought, and um, I started listening to the podcast. So I think when I started listening to this podcast, I think you were on about episode forty something, or mm. probably in the late forties. And, and at the same time as I was listening to you weekly, I also go back, and I still do this now, I go back and listen to an old one. So there are some of your podcasts I've maybe listened to three times, um, purely because I get so much out of them. Um, Excellent. And everybody listening should take that advice and listen to at least three, maybe even four of my podcasts every single week. And then that, I'd be a very happy person with stats going through the roof. So, uh, <laughs> so uh, yeah, thank yeah, you, Christine. It, like that, but it is, <laughs> it is um, you know, every now and again when I, I go for a half an hour walk, um, because he, but working in e-commerce can be, and, and we'll probably discuss it a bit later, it can be incredibly isolating. So, But if I go for a walk and I just uh, stick a podcast on, and um, and every now and again I'll be listening to one where, that's the the person being interviewed will will say you know when i began i i, I wish i'd known this or i wish i'd done this and uh or, or you say what's the best advice for someone and and they'll come up with a piece of advice 
And at that point, I just want to bang my head and think, why didn't I listen to this earlier? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And I always find it quite amazing. And everybody listening, I promise we'll get back into e-commerce and less about podcasts in just a moment. But um, I I do find it fascinating that you you can read a book or you can listen to something or you can watch something many, many times over. And yeah. it can only be at like the fourth or the fifth or sometimes even the sixth time you look at it, you take something totally different from it because you just weren't yeah. ready for the message at that point in time. But um, but I did promise we get back to the e-commerce. So let's, get, <laughs> yes. let's, let's get back to the e-commerce and let's um, let's just just fill in the blanks about where your business is right now. So uh, so you're oh. you're clearly in in the UK, but whereabouts are you selling to? Well, I mean, I mean, I'm based just outside on the outer edges of London in Twickenham near the Rugby Stadium. And and most of my customers, 99.9% of them are actually in the UK. Uh, I do have a couple of USA customers. Um, and it's a real pain because I, because I only have the two. Um, it's not um, it's not it's easy to post things to them. It's not so easy for the, that package to get there in a relatively um, decent amount of time. And, and some of my, for, for the sake of being hosiery, it's, it, I've had some of my packages delayed in customs for a couple of weeks, which is very annoying. Mm. Um, so principally, it's the UK. Okay. And, um, and the products we said is hosiery. It's tights, pantyhose, etc. But it's quite a limited range that you offer, isn't it? Yeah. I, I started off with, um, I only wanted to, to sell something that I could put a money back guarantee behind. Because having bought tights for 30 years and spent a fortune, um, I, I decided that I was going to be really picky with my products and, and make sure that they were really comfortable. They fit really well. And if you don't agree, then you do get your money back. So um, I only sell seamless tights and um, some tights that have got a gentle compression in them, which if most people think compression tights is um, like surgical stockings, you know, big, thick, ugly mm-hmm. things. But these are beautifully designed um, with using a medical grade fiber, but but very very fine, so they feel like silk. Oh wow! And uh, and I think at this point we should probably touch on who your customers are. Yeah, um, this has been the biggest shock to me because uh, I, you know my my target market. I wrote wrote out all my little avatars, and I thought you know it's going to be women who catch the the train into London and work in a big tower block, and and you know work for lawyers. And forty percent of my customers are men, uh, and that that was a real surprise. And they're also my most engaged customers, and that that again was also a real surprise. So it's forty percent men are buying your tights. Yes, for themselves. We should just yes. Iterate, oh yeah. yes, yeah, yeah, for, yeah, for themselves. Yeah, and not and not always because they're dressing up as women. Um, in some cases, they're actually wearing tights underneath their trousers. Or one one of my customers has vitiligo, um, which is that uh, skin condition which makes your look your skin tone look very patchy. Um, and he finds that my tights smooth out the the the, the skin colour uh, on his legs. So he wears them under shorts. He's a photographer, wears them under shorts, and and you can't see them. So he has this almost like invisible makeup uh, in the form of a pair of tights. Wow. Well, there's something none of you thought you were going to learn about today on the show. <laughs> um, so, and you've already said you're on the Shopify platform. Are there any key widgets or plugins you're using on there that you, you'd like to rave about? Oh my god, I, I love plugins. Um, 
so yeah, and, and, I, and I am a huge Shopify fan. Um, so I use something called Pixel Perfect, which is uh, it uses the Facebook Pixel, and it allows you to do a few more things with it. Um, not quite sure exactly what these are, because um, it, it, it's to do with um, referring, cross referring, and upselling um, products. Uh, technically, I don't know how it works. I just know it does. Um, I use something called Infinite Options, which is another free plugin uh, that allows me to, if if one of my items is out of stock, for example, then you can fill in your email address and say remind me. And what it does is it it sends me an email saying this is out of stock and there's demand for it. Um, and when I put the product back in stock, it will send the person who's put their details in a reminder to say, hey, the item that you were looking for is back in stock. Anybody um, listening who's considering it should put that one in place because if you remember a couple of weeks back on the podcast, we had um, Suzanne from So Susie Stamps and that pretty much doubled her business when she put it in place on her uh, big commerce platform so different plugins same same effects so yeah. that's a great recommendation um, I use um, recharge for my subscription uh, management I use Mailchimp um, I've also got my Shopify linked to my account system so I got a zero plugin um, Has and, the accountant coming out in you again? Though? Yeah, yeah, but I don't, I don't. I'm very good. I don't do my own books. <laughs> I have a bookkeeper for that. Um, and then I also just recently, um, I had live chat, and I took it off and replaced it with Facebook Messenger, which is is actually working quite well. And I will put the live chat back on when. I'm happy that I've got it working properly, but it, it, it was causing customer problems. And I mean, the whole idea is to make the customer journey as easy as possible. And it was not doing that. So I removed it straight away. Okay. So um, one last question for you before we kind of kind of dive into the how you've done it stuff is you mentioned then that you've outsourced your bookkeeping, which I personally think is one of the most obvious things for any business to to, to outsource but what what else is the team looking like is it just you in the business and then how, how is the rest of it functioning yeah it's I mean it is pretty much just me I mean I I have a, a Shopify design and tech team that I work with uh, it's a little um, bespoke studio that specializes in fashion called Noir Looks and they they've been amazing um really really helpful particularly in me being able to sand them out about things other than just the Shopify tech um but other than that no I I do it all <laughs> and, I, and I also work in my consultancy as well um I, I'm, I am changing the way that my consultancy works um as a result of the Michael Gerber uh, knock on the head um but I so I do manage to fit my e-commerce in around um, around my consultancy and I suppose at some point it's going to get to the point where I have to make the decision one way or the other or outsource some of the other things like picking and packing and and um, and just be in charge of sourcing the product. But, yeah, but you have to kind of like work out which bits you want to outsource before it's worth outsourcing yeah. them because it's it's a world of pain if you outsource, outsource the wrong thing. Yeah absolutely. And we've all, many of us have been there, um, certainly me included. Um, so 100 orders in 100 days, Christine. Yes. <laughs> how did you come uh, up with the challenge and, uh, and then how did you find it? Are you glad you came up with it? I am because I think um, 
in the same way that that the the saying that um, uh, is it a, a plan without a dream without a plan is is still just a dream. It, 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 you, when you've got a plan, you've got to set yourself a target, and actually setting yourself a target really drives some action. And at the same time, um, somebody gave me a book by Grant Cardone, Cardone, um, called the Ten X. Um, the 10 X rule. And, and he's just this kind of really manic, it wasn't my kind of book really, but he's this really manic man who says, you've got to 10 times the effort will get you four times the outcome, but you've just got to put in massive effort and people who put in massive effort are the ones that really succeed. So I thought, well, my first thing was, you know, hundred orders in 10 days. And I mentioned this to a girlfriend and uh, she just, I mean, she picked herself up off the floor and said, <laughs> you want to be a little more realistic. You are starting from absolutely nothing where nobody knows you. So I thought, well, okay, a hundred orders in a hundred days. It just means I have to do one order a day, which means I can focus one element of getting a customer every day. So I started every single day. I just put what 90 minutes aside and, and spent that 90 minutes just thinking and doing activities that would get and keep customers and by just thinking of it as one customer every single day it kind of made this what seemed like quite a big thing into a relatively small thing every day that's what i what i have to say i'd rather like like about it when you first told me about it i was like oh is that my 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 kind of like analytical brain was immediately thinking: Is that reasonable? Is that good? Would I be pleased with that? Would I not be pleased with that? Is that too much? But then actually, when you when you get down to it, is a hundred orders in three months in a quarter essentially, or a little bit longer than a quarter, feels quite challenging. If you were to focus on right in the next quarter, we're going to do a hundred orders. In our first quarter, yeah. we're going to do a hundred orders. It feels a little bit overwhelming. But when you position it as hundred orders in a hundred days, you're like, right, I've only got to do one today. Yes. And and yeah. there, I imagine there was kind of a tipping point during the hundred days where you went, where where the rate of orders got to the point where you were like, yeah, this is going to be, I'm getting ahead of myself now. Well, right right at the very beginning, I mean, the first couple of weeks, it was like all I kept on thinking was, I'm ten behind, I'm eleven behind, I'm twelve behind, um, and then uh, and I got a couple of lucky breaks. I started in social media before I launched. And I really used social media as a way of researching and asking questions and just kind of putting little thoughts out there um, in terms of uh, I'm thinking of this. Does anybody agree? And, and seeing what, what picked up. And one of the first people who um, picked up on my social media was a, a guy who obviously had some alerts working um, because he is a guy called Bill and he runs a blog called Hosiery for Men. It's a really well-respected, um, well-subscribed blog. And he contacted me and we had a little chat through social media and I sent him a sample of the product. And uh, he did an interview uh, with me and said, right, well, I will launch this interview to my blog on the day you launch. Oh, wow. And uh, which I was really pleased about because I, I was supposed to launch on the 29th of July. And it was it was like five hours. It was in the middle of the night and five hours before I was due to push the button. And my tech team at the time said, look, you know, we've, we've just come across this problem and, and we're not going to be able to fix it. Um, so I'd, I'd had to choose then to delay for seven days 
And I contacted Bill at something like four o'clock in the morning. And when he woke up, he said, no problem at all. It's been, it's been there, done that, you know, I've no idea what this guy does for a living. He obviously, um, is is not phased by by manic women contacting her <laughs> four in the morning. Yes, so, I, um, I can imagine how manic one might be at that point. Well, I just I just sort of started to think, but oh, I've missed my deadline, and then realizing that I'm the one who set the deadline. So um, so he literally seven days later. I mean, he contacted me, said like, "Is it all right if I push the publish button?" And I went, oh. "Yes, you absolutely can." And um, within an hour and a half. Uh, one of his blog readers had placed an order. Oh, so day one was 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 day tick. One was, day one was, <laughs> and it was that it was literally you know ticking a hundred boxes, um, and then you know a couple of days went. I did nothing. I mean, I did no marketing or anything apart from a little bit of social media, um, and then I thought, right now I need to do something. Like um, I need to get brave and put a little Facebook ad out and I need to get brave and I need to start playing with Google AdWords. Um, and, uh, you know, it was, I, it, I had a couple of weeks where I was kind of paralyzed with fear of getting it wrong. And that, that paralysis meant I didn't do anything. So I did yeah, a lot. Which is I, so... was, I was busy being busy, mm. not doing the right things. Yeah. And it's so paralyzing that, and so pointless rather, that paralysis of, of not doing anything because you're worried you'll get it wrong, but it's, it's so many of us suffer from it. It's, yes. It's uh, it's quite crazy. So is there, from all of that time you spent doing those, that, that kind of quite, what we call it, uh, kind of pivoting and testing and measuring and optimizing hundred days. Are there a couple of things you learned that were kind of like amazing from it that you're going to hold on to for the foreseeable future forever on your marketing and your, your kind of branding activity? Well, certainly the value of the mailing list um, really surprised me because I, I was very sceptical. And I did a couple of online... You mean um, the email e mailing list? We're talking yes, about. yes. Okay, cool. uh, the e so I, I did a couple of sort of email marketing courses, really little ones, um, uh, you know, just freebies that I picked up. And then I did a show. So I went to the stylist live show in London, which I had booked before I even launched. And I had a stand and I did a competition that was just really capturing email addresses. And, and uh, it, people had to text in, that was all it was. So I didn't sell anything the whole time I was there, it cost me a fortune. Um, but it was really good at being able to talk to people, get good feedback for them to ask me questions about my service. And then for me to say, take that lots of takeaways in terms of customer feedback. And I managed to build my list quite substantially. I think I had about 1100 and actually 1279 wow. people joined my mailing list from that one event. It was seven and a half percent of all the attendees joined my mailing list purely because all I was doing was running a competition to give some stuff away. And and I was giving away tights. So the people who were entering competition were only the ones who were interested in potentially having a pair of tights. Oh, and that is so important. When I see people running competitions to win a product totally unrelated to what they do, like, you're not going to get the people you want. It's so, no. such a simple thing, but so important that that prize relates to what you do to keep people yes. interested. 
And, and originally, you know, I was thinking of all these, you know, a prize being champagne um, afternoon tea at the Ritz and a trip to a very posh um, lingerie shop. And then I thought, no, I've got a bucket load of tights here. <laughs> I will give away what I've already got. Um, and, and of course, it's a great way to. So I did 10 prizes of a single pairs. And then I did a year's supply of tights to the big winner. And um, and the the the, um, the lady who won has been absolutely delightful. So it has been a real pleasure to uh, to work with her. Excellent. And are there any other... So the, the really key lesson was the value of the email list. So do you think if you hadn't have done that event and gathered those emails, you'd have hit your 100? No, not at all. Not a cat in hell's. Wow. So that cat in hell's, that's a, that's a technical northern phrase. <laughs> <laughs> no chance. <laughs> yeah, absolutely no chance. Um, because uh, as soon as I'd got my um, emails in from the text, so I used something called Text Marketer, people would text in, they would get an automatic response that cost me less than a penny for each each um, uh, text that I sent uh, automated to their mm. phones, which gave them a voucher code for some money off um, and also confirmed their entry into the competition. And then it, the their email went into my automated email sequence just purely for that event and then there were over the next 28 days there were 14 emails that went out individually to unless you unsubscribed in which case you you stopped um and um the the sales that rolled in from that were the ones that uh, really got me through through my target Oh, excellent. As everybody knows out there, I'm a massive fan of anything to do with email. So, <laughs> so really always nice to hear when it's when it's working that well for somebody. So in uh, I'm going to kind of before we go into the top tips, I'm going to loop back to your own intro, Christine, uh, where you said about listening to the podcast and you love it when when I ask someone, uh, what would you recommend to someone else? So I'm going to do that just right straight back at you. So would you kind of the quick question is, would you recommend anyone starting out or desperately in need of pushing their business to the next level to, to do something like 100 orders in 100 days? I think if you set yourself a challenge that's that's kind of realistic, that can be broken down into into small chunks that don't overwhelm you so the, the the big challenge might appear overwhelming but if you can break it down into you know even if it's um it doesn't have to be an order uh, every day like i did it, it it can be you know within the first week i will have generated you know some activity i will grow my my mailing list by x numbers and this is how i'm going to do it so so ha- have something to do i mean for me it was testing which things worked. So if I if I did something and it generated a customer or, or two, then at least I knew that, well, okay, that's something I can now work on because it's worked at this point. Maybe, and now I can start tweaking it to see if it can, if, if, if it will scale up. And then the things that didn't work at all, I just put them to one side and they go in the don't don't go there for now because I haven't got I haven't got time to be even testing what was wrong with that it just didn't work so 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 put it on the list and then when you come back to it later on then you can actually look at why it didn't work but get the stuff that does work working and and although I did the email 
um, the, the email building list and it, and it really did work. Don't forget the power of the ordinary mail because a lot of people came onto my site and left address details. So about 50% of people who actually came on the site actually logged in and created an account and didn't necessarily buy anything straight away. And I then followed that up with, um, you know, paper mail. And Ooh. that, although, although it's a smaller list of people to follow up, it's actually a much more successful conversion rate. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's a bit more hard work. But it's so worth it because emails, people get 150, I think it is, a day on average. And it's really easy to either unsubscribe or just actually delete and do it myself. But getting a card or a, you know, a postcard or whatever in the mail when you don't necessarily get a lot of other mail is uh, that, that, that I was surprised. But it really works. It, it's one of those things you have to do something with paper mail when it lands yes. on your doormat you have to do something with it even if it's just pick it up and take it to the bin you have you are forced <laughs> to interact with it which is one yeah. of the reasons reasons why it can be be quite powerful okay so you definitely recommend the 100 orders in 100 days yes have you got a couple of tips for anyone embarking on it either psychological or or practical well i way back in in um the, the 90s i did a I, I as an accountant i was sent for some reason that is beyond me at the moment uh, I was sent on a sales course and the guy there it, I think it was a, a confidence inducing thing but it was all really focused on sales and the guy that did the training said what you've got to do is you've got to um, write a, do a little grid of you know 100 squares this is where I got the 100 sales in 100 uh-huh. days ideas but he said when you have to do it was to do with cold calling or, or just selling over the telephone. And he said, when you have to phone someone and you don't want to do it because, let's face it, you're not really a salesperson. So just don't go for the success. Go for the failure. And um, he gave some techniques around, you know, if, you, and if you're expecting the rejection, then you'll be more confident because actually that's what you're looking for. And you, your speech will flow much more easily. And I guarantee you that if you're thinking about a, a tick means that you failed. A tick means you've made the call and you were rejected. So you put a tick in the box. He said, I guarantee you, you will not make 10 calls and get 10 rejections. And he was right. I mean, I think most people got seven. And then mm-hmm. the eighth one, they were so relaxed in making the call that they actually got the sale or the meeting or whatever it was that they were trying to get. And and I think it's if you are setting yourself a challenge like this, where you're starting from scratch, then don't worry too much about the success, uh, sorry, the failure. Um, because failing teaches you something. If, if you try something and it doesn't work, then it's something you've learned. So you haven't, you haven't wasted anything. You, you've learned a lesson. And it might be a very valuable lesson because if you were trying it much later on in your business where you're, you're, you try something that is just has, can have a dra- dramatic effect um, with larger volumes. But when you're trying stuff when, it's, when you've got smaller volumes, 
don't, don't worry about the failure, just put it, put it down to being a lesson learned. It's a lot less money invested to mail 100 people than it is to mail 100,000 people when it comes yes. to direct mail and paper. Let's put it that way. That, that's excellent, Christine. I like that. Get the, get the failures happening because you learn from them. So everybody, it's time for the top tips round. Now, I love the top tips section because it gives me and our listeners some really quick ideas for taking their businesses and our businesses even to the next level. So, Christine, first up then, the book top tip. I think you've given us at least two of these already. But if everyone listening to this podcast agreed to take Friday off and read a single book to make their business better, which book would you recommend? Well, I'm going to cheat like a lot of your um, (laughs) podcasters do. So if you've already started, then the E-Myth Revisited by Michael Gerber, it's just the best book. And frankly, it's not just an e-commerce book. I mean, it's, it's changed the way I work in my consultancy too. So it, it's a really quick, easy read. And um, you'd probably read it in a couple of hours, but you'll be thinking about it. And I still read it again and again. So, um, But if you haven't actually started, then go and do yourself a really big favor and buy the e-commerce master plan. Oh, thank you. (laughs) Because that was the first book I bought and it did really help me. It didn't stop me making the mistakes because even now I go back to your book and it says, do this. And I go, why didn't I do that? (laughs) Um, But it, it, um, it does give you a framework kind of structure that, that um, it, it, it can keep you very focused. It certainly kept me focused. That's always good to hear. So then the traffic top tip, which marketing method do you either prize above all others or think doesn't get the press it deserves? Well, you'd think I'd say the email marketing, um, but actually uh, Facebook ads for me, it's my biggest source of customers. It's my biggest source of traffic. Um, it's I, I, I've used some of the tips as well from one of your previous podcasters, um, Chantelle at Equichoice. Mm-hmm. Um, where she used the Facebook ad linked to a blog and then retargeting the visitors. And, oh, boy, that really works. <laughs> uh, so because, uh, you know, there's a limit um, to the amount of things that you can say about tights, but a quick blog saying top tips for wearing tights at work or getting more out of your tights, those those um, social media posts get more traffic for me than anything else. And if I put a, put a boost button on them, I just need to make sure I've got the stock in because it, you know, it, it really does. It, it generates sales within 20 minutes of boosting them. Wow. Well, um, if anyone wants to go back and listen to the, to Chantal talking about that, that's, um, Equichoice episode number 84. And I'll put a link to that in the show notes. Um, the tool top tip then, maybe a collaboration tool, a social media plugin, a phone app, or just a way of working. Is there a cool little tool you use that makes you and your team more efficient from day to day? Well, I communicate with my um, my Shopify guy entirely by Skype. Uh, we've never actually met. Um, I, the MailChimp automation is just saves me hours. Mm-hmm because people can come into from the various different entry points they can come in and they'll see the different messages and they're all linked um, and social media I do use Hootsuite I'm not really that keen on it but it does save me hours so the, the interface for me is a real pain mm. but now that I've learned how to use it I can't be bothered to go and learn how to use anything else and <laughs> and, and it does it saves me absolutely because you can bulk load an, an entire quarter um, a quarter's worth of messages. So if I've got a campaign, for example, 
I can I can upload the entire campaign over a month into um, with multiple posts into multiple platforms, and it and that can take I don't know about an hour I suppose. It is often the way, isn't it, where we have these tools which they do the job. We don't like them that much, but it's not that big a problem to be fixed right now. It's like yes. next, next quarter, next quarter. Worry yes. yeah. about that one, maybe. Uh, okay, the startup top tip: If you met someone this weekend who's thinking of starting an e-commerce business, what would be your first piece of advice for them? The sooner you start, the sooner you learn. So, get started. Um, But I'll caveat that with really when you are getting started, know your numbers because uh, the myth that you can start something with five pounds and you'll be lying on your hammock sipping your margaritas within a month is there's a reason why they call them unicorns. Um, mm-hmm. cause they're mythical creatures and they don't exist. Uh, and, and, you know, to remember that bootstrapping will only take you so far. So you have to really spend your cash really quickly, uh, really quickly, really carefully. <laughs> that, was, that was a very Freudian slip. Um, and you know, I've really learned the hard way about spending you know, money on stuff that just doesn't matter. And like I said, I've listened to podcasts of yours before where I just thought, Oh my God, why didn't I listen to this earlier? Um, so spend your money really carefully, know your numbers, but the sooner you launch, the sooner you learn. Thank you for that one, Christine. That's brilliant. And, um, Masterplan World, you can find those top tips and links to everything else we've been chatting about in today's episode by heading over to ecommercemasterplan.com forward slash podcast, where you'll see a link to this show. Uh, Christine, before we say goodbye, could you please let the listeners know, both the men and the women, uh, where they can find you and your business on the web and social media? Okay, the website is divinelegs.com and that's D-I-V-I-N-E legs.com. Social media, I'm at divinelegs on Twitter, Pinterest and Facebook and at divinelegshosiery on Instagram. And before you go, uh, for anybody who's interested, you can get 50% off your first hosiery box when you subscribe. And the the voucher code for that is on the pop-up on my website. But for all podcast listeners who don't want a hosiery subscription, I'm giving a 20% discount if you use the code MASTERPLAN. And um, if you put a little note in with your order, I will also add free gift wrapping. Yeah, hey. Awesome news for everybody out there who's struggling with their hosiery. Okay, (laughs) we'll add links to all of that, including the discount and everything else we talked about today in the show notes. Masterplan World, again, you can find those at ecommercemasterplan.com forward slash podcast or just go to the website, click on the podcast tab or use that search box. Christine, thank you so much for being on the show today and sharing. Thank you for having me. It's been a real, real pleasure and reliving that first hundred days. Yeah, I need to go and lie down in a cool room now. <laughs> yeah, hopefully not too traumatic, but an amazing experience. And really, I know there'll be a lot of people out there very, very pleased you shared it with us. So thank you. Thank you. Well, there you go, everyone. An insight into the experiences from the first 100 days of running your e-commerce business with 
some amazing tips and recommendations there that I think we can all take on board, however uh, long in the tooth we may or may not be. So a huge thank you to Christine for coming on and having a chat. And I know she's in the uh, the e-commerce master plan world Facebook group. So if you want to go and have a chat with Christine or anyone else who's in the group, ask any questions you've got, then just head over to ecommercemasterplan.com forward slash Facebook or take a look for the e-commerce master plan Facebook world no, wrong way around, the e-commerce master plan world Facebook group on Facebook. Make sure you come back next week to hear all about Jan Root and his business, Violent Little Machine Shop. Intrigued? Well, you should be. Uh, Have a great week in the meantime and keep optimising. Thank you for listening to the e-commerce master plan podcast. Find out more at ecommercemasterplan.com.